1: Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com tapiphone tap iPhone. Melissa Worster has supported Independent Tech News directly for five
2: years. Be like Melissa. Be Lissa. Become a DTNS member at patreon.com DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Friday, February 22nd, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From my home studio in Cleveland, Ohio, I'm Len Peralta.
3: And I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang.
2: I was tempted to say snowy Los Angeles because there technically was snow Mm. in the city of Los Angeles yesterday. Yeah. For I minutes, I, I, I did
0: see a photo from your roof that there was no snow.
2: There was no snow on my roof though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was my my neither. All of them. But north. it was
0: very it was very cold this morning, but no snow.
2: No snow. Uh, yeah. No snow in Cleveland either though. That's something no. Cleveland and LA have in common. Yes, it's beautiful here. <laughs> or at least my area of L.A. I guess we don't because part of Never mind. Uh, hey, today we have a uh, special interview with Eric Olander, who will join us uh, to talk about technology in China. He's the co-host of the weekly China in Africa podcast that explores every facet of the PRC's engagement on the continent. I'll we'll be talking to him in a few minutes. But first, let's start with some tech things you should know.
0: Baidu beat analysts' expectations for revenue and profit. Revenue from its streaming video service, iQiyi rose 55%, offsetting lower ad sales on search and also news. Baidu plans to expand its AI offerings like smart speakers and autonomous driving to enterprise and government customers. While revenue rose 10%, it was the slowest growth in six quarters. So a rise, but also a fall.
2: Uh, so quick mac rumors reports apple plans to close its retail stores in plano and frisco texas on april 12th both stores are located in the eastern texas district court region that is that region that you might know as being famous for kind of being friendly to patent holders a new apple store will open in the nearby galleria dallas shopping mall april 13th The mall is just outside of the Eastern District's jurisdiction, but fairly close to Frisco and Plano. So the Frisco and Plano folks can still go to the Apple store, but without Apple operating in the Eastern District. And this could prevent cases from being brought to the Eastern District on the basis of Apple having an established place of business within their region. Oh,
0: man. Facebook is removing its Onavo VPN app from the Google Play Store. The VPN service will continue to work for existing users, but will eventually be shut down. Facebook used data from the app's users to conduct market research, but it has stopped that practice. Also, the company has also stopped recruiting new users of the Facebook research app for Android. Now, if you're wondering, what about the iOS versions of all of this? The iOS versions of both apps were banned by Apple.
2: So that's Facebook stopping its own data collection, Sarah. Let's talk about them dealing with other people sending them data.
0: Oh, let's. The Wall Street Journal reports that it found 11 health-related iOS apps that share info with Facebook, even if the user of the app has no Facebook account. Now, this is important. It's not necessarily Facebook's fault here. The apps track things like ovulation, or your weight, or your heart rate, and then they share that data. None of the apps appear to have an option to stop the data sharing, even if you would have known about it and you would have wanted it. The apps use a Facebook analytics tool called App Events that can target ads by event. The Facebook App Events tool advises developers not to share health, financial, uh, health or financial information, or other categories of sensitive information. So the company told the Wall Street Journal that some of the practices discovered seem to violate terms, and it will force those apps to stop sharing the data.
2: So, so I've already seen people uh, taking Facebook to task for this because that's the reaction, right?
0: Yeah. Facebook's at it again. They're uh, stealing our data.
2: And I would argue this is exactly what happened with Cambridge Analytica, where they, someone violated the terms of service without Facebook's mm-hmm. knowledge. What was different about that? is the question of, wait, when did Facebook know they were violating it and what did they do about it? That's what's got people legitimately angry. This, it sounds like Facebook, I mean, we could maybe try to find out if they knew about this earlier, but it sounds like now that it's public, they immediately clamp down on it. They've learned their lesson there. These apps, on the other hand, should not have been collecting this data and sending it to this analytics app without disclosing that. It's anonymized for the most part, but you should know. You should be allowed to decide not to use this app because of that. And you should probably be able to opt in, not opt out of that.
0: Absolutely. And I also think that Facebook has a user trust issue to the point where right. even if the company says, don't worry, we're not collecting your you know, your monthly cycle information or your social security information or whatever. I think that there are a lot of users who are like, We just don't believe that. Yeah. I mean, maybe you're not doing anything with it, but you're probably not throwing it out.
2: No, Facebook's even even saying like, look, we didn't want them to send it. We don't we don't want them to continue to send it. We're going to stop them from sending it. And people are like, yeah, but you're still Facebook and I'm mad at you. So, yeah. Exactly. NVIDIA introduced the GeForce GTX 1660 Ti graphics card based on its touring architecture, not the Pascal architecture. Unlike NVIDIA's RTX cards, the 1660 Ti doesn't include DLSS or ray tracing support, but then a lot of games don't either. So this may not be a big deal for some of you if you want to save the money. It does promise power efficient performance for 120 frames per second gameplay at 1080p. It's got six gigabytes of RAM, Pretty good specs. Nvidia says it's about one and a half times faster than the GTX 1060. Uh, the GTX 1660 Ti is available worldwide for 279 bucks. Roger, I know you keep keep abreast of this uh, sort of stuff. Uh, how does this one strike you? It's it's good price.
3: It's uh, they're trying to hit a, a market that was sorely missing when all all the video cards were being snatched up by uh, um, cryptocurrency miners. There wasn't a a performance, but low-cost uh, card that they had in the lineup, but AMD did. And so I think they're trying to fill in that gap. And you're right, ray-tracing support and DLSS isn't in most a majority of games. So there's no benefit for gamers to buy it right now and not really have, you know, like you're some would say, like, yeah, hey, you're just sitting on a hundred bucks. That's burning a hole in your pocket because you're not seeing it, the benefit. So this this would be a good move if they can fill the channels and make it so that you can buy it without you know having to resort to eBay or or resellers who are, you know trying to uh, um, make a quick buck by buying a huge cache of these and reselling them. Uh, it could go a long way to help uh, Nvidia. Be more competitive in that uh, in that kind of um, value category.
2: When we were talking to Patrick Norton about the the video card market uh, a little while ago, uh, he was he was hoping to have heard something about this card at the time. So this is the other shoe dropping on that, uh, and it's you know it's something when you're building a, a machine yourself, which I know a few of you do, not as many as they used to. Uh, this this is a good option to have out there if, like Roger says you don't have a ray tracing or a DLSS game that you have to play, or you don't have to have just the, the most future proofed possible uh, video card out there. If you're, if you're willing to to
3: get by with this uh, it's a, it's a good card. It's a good card. And even if you're not a gamer, you're a content creator, but you rely on uh, Adobe's creative cloud, many of their applications support the GPU rendering that's available mm-hmm. within a lot of NVIDIA's and AMD's products. So, um, You know, it's again, you know, if they can hit that value proposition and fill those channels so you can actually go to the store and buy one and not feel like, you know, you spent $40 more than you had to be great. Yeah, good, good point.
0: Let's move on to space, shall we? Yes. The Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency's Hayabusa-2 spacecraft successfully landed on the near-Earth asteroid Ryugu Friday. It will be the second craft to collect samples from an asteroid and return them to Earth after 2005's hayabusa the original. The landing and collection were made more challenging as the surface was made of larger than expected gravel. Sounds like a lot of beaches I've been to. Uh, Hayabusa 2 will collect two more samples before returning to Earth. NASA's Aresis Rex arrived at asteroid at Bennu in December, and that's scheduled to collect samples in 2020.
2: We're mining asteroids.
0: Mm-hmm. We are literally
2: mining asteroids. It's not, we're not mining a lot. We don't even know what we're getting until we, you know, 4 years later get the sample back. It. But yeah. yeah, Japan's done it twice now. The United States is about to do it. Uh this this is how it starts, right? And and the pictures are fascinating. I, this kind of stuff always fascinates me because it does just look like gravel. Uh, not, not quite as uniform as you might see, you know, on a gravel driveway or something like that. But, but it is, it is, they are big chunks of rock and you're like, that's, that's the surface of an asteroid. That's what it looks like.
0: Well, and I think, I think a lot of folks think of asteroids as like, they're rocketing towards earth to kill us all. (laughs) Right. You can actually land a spacecraft on an asteroid if you do it right. That is kind of mind boggling.
3: And I think what's so fascinating is the the continued automation of space exploration. You know, back when mm-hmm. uh, the Apollo missions, the idea was you send up a man there, you land them, and they're going to dig with a shovel and bring everything back. If you can do these with robots, there's a, a you you basically drop the cost, but you also broaden out the number of missions. Really hard to put a person on a moving asteroid and then return them safely back to the Earth, very easy to do with a robot.
2: No, it's, yeah, a, it's yeah. a good point. The, the flexibility is, is important in the mission execution, too. The, because they found that this was not like a powdery regolith on the surface, they changed the maneuvers, which could have been impossible with the extra weight of a person or because they didn't have the time to, to bring them back alive if they changed the maneuvering. You don't have that problem when, when you have a uh, when you have a machine, or at least you have, you have a little more flexibility. Following up on last week's story about the GAN created human faces at this dot com, we now have this dot com. And if I've yes. learned anything from looking at this uh, A.I. is way better at human faces than it at making cats.
0: Oh, man. Do you speak the truth? You know, it's funny. This person does not exist dot com. It, it really got a lot of attention. People being like, wow. I mean, OK, as we talked about it on a previous show, sometimes there's a hairline thing or sort of a symmetry thing where you're like, mm, doesn't quite seem right, but was for the most part really hard to discern between real and fake. Not the same with felines.
2: No, not at all.
0: Every I, single one of these cats, I was like, oh, that's a weird cat. Like <laughs> that would be like a cat at the shelter. We were like, something's up with that cat. That's it's not a real almost cat. Almost
2: flip-flopped. Uh I I I actually went to this several times to try to <laughs> to try to find ones that didn't look right. And eventually I did after enough refreshing. With this cat does not exist dot com, it's almost the opposite. Like you have to
0: Keep you're looking for the cat that until looks real. you find
2: one that looks like a real cat. Yeah, where like,
0: like that's a that's a weird paw. Their eye is weird. Like that's yeah. I just it's, found a transporter because... accident
2: version of a cat. Like there's just there's a second cat <laughs> merged with the with the cats.
0: <laughs> well, which, which which kind of you know it oh it, um, it ends up being a question of like okay, are humans just are they easily enough to sort of cobble together to the point that we don't know the difference we're humans but but when it comes to certain animals and sure there might be animals that work better than cats but this is like no it, this doesn't this doesn't work I, I think it's part of it is it the a face is a fairly
2: uniform thing right it's always fairly oval it's got two eyes and a nose right with a cat yeah. they're doing the whole body and that, that's more complicated. You got more parts there,
3: so maybe that's- also I'm sure it has to learn more about cats than it you know than a person. Why?
0: Or oh, maybe no, no, we're they, just uh, very asymmetrical. And I just think
3: they're at perfect. the stage where they haven't fed. The machine, the the machine, uh, you, the you machine
2: learning trained enough, it enough. I don't know if that. I mean, that'd be interesting to find out. I would assume they've 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 got access to plenty of cat pictures. It is the internet. Like, there's no reason that wouldn't have had enough training.
0: No, in fact, the internet is actually the place to get all I the know. cat photos.
3: I think.
2: The,
0: I
3: think. This, yeah. All I know is these things will haunt me in my dreams. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Me
2: too. <laughs> all right, folks. Uh, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, don't forget DailyTechHeadlines.com dot com exists just for you. Go get it at DailyTechHeadlines.com. dot com. China, it's very often misunderstood in the world of technology. We do our best on this show to bring you some stories to kind of help you see what's going on there in a different light from what you might hear elsewhere. And to help us understand it even better, let's welcome Eric Olander, longtime China watcher who currently works in digital marketing in Shanghai. Uh, Eric, welcome back to the show. It's good to have you. It's great to be back, Tom. Now, Uh, Let's jump right into this because I think the biggest thing when people are thinking about China right now, at least in the United States, is the trade war. Uh, Is that really affecting consumer tech buying habits in China? Uh, How much of of what's changing in China is, is just other economic impacts?
4: So there's a short answer and a long answer. We'll stick with the short answer for time. The short answer is no, it's not having a dramatic impact, in part because the way that people perceive the trade war here is, I think, very different than it is in the United States, in part because the media here is so filtered uh, through government control and censorship and whatnot. And the government's really trying to kind of keep passions down. That being said, uh, Huawei, of course, is one of the big casualties of the ongoing U.S.-China trade dispute. And in that sense, Chinese consumers are rallying around Huawei. Huawei in some ways because they feel that the attack from the United States uh, is more political than it is actually on security grounds. So in that sense, there is this kind of, you know, emotional connection to Huawei where people feel a loyalty and a passion for the brand. That being said, Huawei makes great phones. The P20 is an amazing phone, amazing devices. And so consumers are also migrating to brands like Huawei. In part because brands like Apple simply aren't catering to the local needs of Chinese consumers, and in this day and age, with a market as big as China's, that's a really, really big risk for a company like Apple. So it has less to do with the trade war and more to do with catering to local consumer needs.
2: Yeah, and Samsung's falling into the same thing, where you know Samsung and Apple are playing the parts of Nokia and BlackBerry from, from years ago. Right now, if they're not careful, um, how much of the perception? of American companies plays into these things. What is the perception of the Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Google within China by the consumers
4: there? There is no perception of Facebook and sure. Google. I mean, Google left China back in 2010, so 10 years in tech in the US is like 30 years. And in China, it's like 50 years. <laughs> so it's just not relevant. Most people on the street today have no idea what Google is. I mean, they heard of it as a brand the same way that we've heard about the moon, but I've never been to the moon. Yeah, uh, yes. Facebook just doesn't exist. So we have two entirely different operating systems of life. That is, And and that's something that's hard for us to understand, that we think that the World Wide Web is truly international. Well, it's really not, because the tools that you use in the United States there in Los Angeles to navigate through your daily life don't work at all here. Your MasterCard, your Visa doesn't always even work here. Uh, Your payment systems here don't work because they use WeChat and Alipay. Uh, The Web is done by Baidu, and all of their time is not even on the Web. Web traffic here is actually quite low overall because most of the time people are spending on these super apps like WeChat. Mm. And so it's a totally different operating system of life. And so in that sense, the American brands just aren't relevant. Amazon's here, but when Amazon's up against Alibaba, it's insignificant. It's kind of cute. And that's the way that people look at it. Nobody talks about Amazon in China, even though it's here. But it's just not even competitive with Alibaba.
2: Well, that's why they want to merge uh, to to be to with the better import brand, right? Because if they're going to have any business, they might as well ride the coattails of somebody else who does their business better than they do. It seems like.
4: But at the end of the day, you know, for American tech companies in China, it's a long, sad story because this is a very, very difficult market to work in, both because the complexity of the market. But then you have these other factors like the local players like Alibaba. They have a thumb on the scale in the form of the government. The government plays a very, very active role in society here, much more so in the economy than it does in the West and whatnot. And local players oftentimes have an advantage. That being said, That being said, Oracle, Microsoft, a lot of these big brands, they're still very, very active here. They make a lot of money here. And the tech space is expanding beyond just pure tech into automotive, Tesla setting up its first factory, its gigafactory here. So the tech space and the definition of tech is growing. And American companies still are very, very active, but just nowhere near on the scale and size that the Chinese are.
2: Now let's flip this the other way. Uh, I think a lot of people have heard of Tencent, Alibaba, uh, Baidu, maybe even ByteDance Dance. Uh, now that, that, that TikTok has, has busted out uh, with the acquisition of Musically, what are our misperceptions of these companies from this side? And and what are the big ones that that we just don't even we're not even aware of over here?
4: So I think the biggest misperception, and it's a 20-year-old misperception, is that the Chinese copy and that everything is just an equivalent. You see in the news, in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, they'll always say, you know, this Chinese site is the equivalent of this or this one is the Facebook of China or the Twitter of China. And that's really a misnomer because Weibo, for example, owned by Sina, is not the Twitter of China, just the same way that WeChat is not the Facebook of China. These things may They have started early on very, very similar, similar to the way that Steve Jobs copied the icons from, you know, the Xerox park. And it looked a little bit like what Windows was doing, but then it morphed out, you know, unrecognizable from what it started. And that's where we are today is that these kind of the parallels are not there at all. But what's interesting to me about thinking about Chinese brands is that a lot of consumers in the U.S. probably don't even know they're consuming a Chinese brand. So I'm always surprised when people talk about TikTok and the growth of TikTok and that it is its bite dance behind it and musically as well. And and so we're starting to see the arrival of Chinese brands, but in very, very subtle ways. DJI, for example, I thought DJI was from Texas for the longest time, but it's from Shenzhen. Mm -hmm. And DJI represents a really interesting trend that we're seeing where – It's the marriage of not just the low-cost hardware that China was so famous for for a long time ago, uh, but now it's the marriage of the low-cost hardware with uh, artificial intelligence, very sophisticated software that goes into it, that brains are going into it. So those Lime scooters that you've got all over Santa Monica and San Francisco everywhere, those are made out of Shenzhen, and it's the combination of that hardware and the software, and that's where China's – going next. And we see those Lime scooters all over the place. We never think that that's a Chinese scooter. Sure, people assume that it was manufactured in China, but the software was also built in China as well. And that's really one of the big next steps in innovation.
2: Now, given what we've been talking about, uh, I think it's clear that it's not impossible, but it's hard for a U.S. company to come into China and be successful. And and likewise, it's no cakewalk for a Chinese company to come into the U.S., especially these days when there's some prevailing headwinds trying to to push against at least some of them. But they've got there's the the middle ground that I want to focus on: India, Africa, South America. What advantages and disadvantages do you think the Chinese tech companies have in these
4: markets? So, in let's take a look at Southeast Asia, for example, because Alibaba is making big moves in Southeast Asia, and also Amazon is uh, moving aggressively into India as well. So, this is one of the big battlegrounds that we're going to see. One of the key advantages that Alibaba has is that it brings together, obviously, this mass. E-commerce platform and all the artificial intelligence, all the big data that that goes with that. It brings together logistics as well. And it's got payments wrapped up into it. So through Ant Financial, which is their payments arm and obviously Alipay and all of that technology and the relationships that Alibaba has with its banks and so forth that process all this in the back end, uh, it brings a full suite of of, of applications into a market like Vietnam or Malaysia or even India. Amazon, for its part, is coming in with an e-commerce platform. It doesn't bring the payment side. It's not necessarily bringing in the logistics side uh, in places like India. And so that makes it much, much more difficult. The second part of it is in the hardware space. So Chinese hardware manufacturers, the Oppos, Vivos, Huawei, uh, Xiaomi, Lenovo's, They have managed to build phones and devices that are specifically made for this market. And really, there's no American equivalent. Apple is not engaging in these lower end markets. They don't want to be in that bottom feeder space. But these Chinese brands, which now are seven of the top 10 global mobile phone makers by volume, uh, they're really competitive in building phones that are sub $100. And that's bringing the next billion consumers online. So the marriage between a Chinese phone that the Vietnamese consumer is getting on for the first time mixed then with Lazada, which is backed by Alibaba and that e-commerce really shows the strength of the Chinese value proposition in places like Southeast Asia. That's replicating in South America, Africa and a lot of emerging markets.
2: Yeah, it makes me wonder if, if you know, a few years down the road, we start to see Reliance Geo or Indian companies or companies coming out of Kenya or Nigeria uh, start to upset the apple cart of the dominant Huawei who's gotten complacent. It'll be very interesting to watch.
4: It will be, but scale is really important here. Remember, Huawei sold $100 billion of gear last year. It will be very, very difficult to get to that scale. But at the same time, local providers are going to be able to customized services in ways that the big ones can't.
2: Yeah. Uh, one last thing I want to get uh, you to address uh, before we go. Uh, you you do the China-Africa project, and I wonder if you have anything that people should know about the sub-Saharan African tech scene that you don't think they would have heard of. Uh, we've talked about M-Pesa. We talked about the, the drone delivery in Rwanda. Is there anything else going on there that you're like, ah, people people should realize that this is this is coming, this is the next thing? Yeah.
4: It, really Africa is one of the most exciting tech markets in the world. It's a continent that is the youngest continent, median age is 18 oh. years old. The growth of social networking is just huge. Bandwidth is coming in. Huawei Marine is bringing in a new Asia to Africa, a massive trunk line onto the continent. So we're seeing a connectivity boom as well. But on the Chinese side, it's really, really interesting because a third of the entire cell phone market in Africa is controlled by one company. And it's a company you have probably never heard of, Transin, which makes the techno brand. Hmm. And this is a company out of Shenzhen that doesn't even sell here domestically in China. It's selling purely into uh, Africa and Asia, into developing emerging markets. So that's really interesting that one company controls a third of the entire market. Now what Transyn's doing is they're starting to put on a layer of services on top of their hardware. So we're starting to see the arrival of Chinese music services, e-commerce services, and the arrival of Alibaba and Tencent is starting to come on the back of this Chinese hardware that is really now pervasive across the continent. So I think that marriage of the hardware and the e-commerce is going to be what we see in the future.
2: So uh, how do you spell Transin?
4: Transin is T-R-A-N-S-S-I-O-N. And the brand that they have, the phone brand is Techno, T-E-C-N-O. So we do a lot of coverage on tech on the China Africa Project. So if you go to chinaafricaproject.com and just search for those those words, you'll find a bunch of the shows that we've done. And we're going to be doing a lot more of that in the future.
2: Eric, thank you so much uh, for sharing your insight with us today. Really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And uh, you just mentioned it, but remind people again, where, where should they go to keep up with what you're doing?
4: So we produce a weekly podcast on China, all things China, Africa, including tech. And you can find that over on our website at ChinaAfricaProject.com or where you subscribe to all your podcasts. And you can also find me on Twitter at eolander. That's E-O-L-A-N-D-E-R. And I'm tweeting all day about China, Africa issues. And so we would love for your, for your audience to join our discussion. Thanks again, Eric. Thank you.
0: Eric, wonderful, wonderful insight into the Chinese marketplace. And also, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. Sometimes there are China stories there, sometimes not. But you can submit stories.
1: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. And vote on others
0: at dailytechnewshow.reddit.com Also on Facebook, if you like Facebook groups, we've got one, facebook.com slash groups slash show.
2: Let's dive into the email.
0: Shall we? Komei had some thoughts on our conversation yesterday, Thursday yeah. on Google Glass and whether or not it should be called a failure. And I think that there are a lot of different opinions on, on what that means. Kome says, sure, many cutting-edge products, cutting-edge products rather, don't succeed financially, but I'm rather interested in using cool products rather than investing in the company's stock. So I appreciate it when a company is gutsy enough to release a brand new product to the market and let us all experience it. Most of us don't have resources to even create a prototype. We rely on big companies to make tremendous efforts to develop and mass-produce a product. So, I think we should be a little bit more fair when talking about the significance of those products. Many products were a failure of the marketing. For example, they should have labeled Google Glass as a developer kit like Magic Leap did, for example. But... It was still a remarkable product of hardware, and we all learned a little bit more about the potential of AR. I think there are enough people who worry about the product's financial success or failure. As a technology lover, I think we can rather focus on the innovation aspects and encourage companies to come up with more products in new categories.
2: Well, very well said, Komei. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Very nice. All right. Shall we check in with Len
0: Peralta? Let's check in with Len Peralta. Len, I know you've been drawing up a storm. What you got for us?
5: Yeah, it was a fascinating discussion about China uh, by our guest. But, of course, I had to go back to um, <laughs> the cat story. <laughs> this cat does not exist. Uh, sort of a companion piece from last week, which was this person does not exist. But I So in this drawing, we have a cat who is being shown off by another cat. <laughs> cool that cat. cat is saying, this cat does not exist, cat. And neither does this cat
2: cat. Yeah. The so. the cat on the stool is a, a transporter accident of a cat with three heads. <laughs> yes. The cool cat uh, pointing him out is just a cool guy. Yeah. You know, he's, cool. he's a cool cat.
5: He's a cool cat. And yeah. he doesn't exist either. Neither, no. neither, none of these cats exist. Cat, now, so. now this
2: is going to make me want to, like, force a this dog does not exist into the conversation <laughs> right. next week so we can get a triptych from him.
5: That's next, right? Yeah. Next week. Come on, Internet. Let's go. Let's go. This dog does not exist. But this print <laughs> right. you can get right now at Uh along with all the last four or five years of DTNS drawings. They're all there. You can pick them up today. At LenperaltStore.com.
2: Our goal each month is to get one more patron than last month. We need six of you, just six of you. If you are a person who makes up one of a... Potential six people who likes the show and isn't backing it yet become a member patreon.com slash dtns you'll get a commercial free rss feed that you can put in your podcast reader Uh, you'll get special columns from roger updates from sarah about her product tests and today an editor's desk from me about my theory about asymmetry and how if we wrap our heads around the asymmetry of interactions online it might help us figure out how to have better social networks. It's all available on patreon.com slash DTNS.
0: If you have feedback for us, well, guess what? We'd love to hear it. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2130 UTC. And you can find out more and tell a friend. Maybe those five other friends want to become a patron. Get it? At dailytechnewshow.com slash live.
2: Back on Monday with Charlotte Henry as our guest. Talk to you then.
1: This show is part of the Broad Pants Network. Get more at FrogPants.com.
4: Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.
2: <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
5: Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools,